Good morning, friends. It's so good. I always love coming here and being a part of what God is doing. The stage set is ridiculous amazing. Isn't it beautiful? Just so cool and thankful. Whoever has the dream and has the desire and does all those kinds of things, I can't do anything like that, but I can enjoy it. And I'm one of the enjoyers. I'm always grateful to be a part of the worship team that's here and then the body of Christ that is here and gathered and the body of Christ that's beyond this place and the children's ministry and the different things that are happening. So today I'm, I'm really excited to walk you through what it means to live in your new reality. And so what we're going to do is, um, so before I start, I just need to tell you that I'm the one that gave him the two passages. And about right now you're thinking, wonder what the first passage had to do with the second. Nothing. I messed up. The first passage is not what we're supposed to have read. It's a different passage. So I have to tell you that one when we get there. So mistakes, 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 all on me. You, you good? All right. So we're going to walk through what it means to live in the new reality of the kingdom of God. So here's where we're going to start. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, is here. He did not say it's somewhere in your distant future after you die. It's right here, right now. And I want to walk you through how you can live in the kingdom in your own heart, live in the kingdom in your home so that it's transformational in your home and how you live that out with other people. And if you want to today, you can experience a brand new reality that you can walk in. So let's pray first and then we're going to jump in. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to take the room right now. Wash over, open the hearts of people, open your word. Teach us how to live in your kingdom. This is your word. This is your kingdom. We're your people. These are your people. And I pray your greatest blessing to wash over them right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. So you probably already, already realized that the world is actually moving away from the church. Like fewer and fewer people think that they ought to go to church. And part of the reason is they actually don't see much difference between my life and I'll group you with me, our lives and their lives. They think their marriages are just like ours. They think their money, just like ours. They think their struggles, their dreams, their drives, their hurts, their history, their failures, their future. They think it's just the same. It's just that you and I do this weird thing of going to church and giving money. That's a weird thing. Because they can go play golf or go fishing or go shopping and have fun. And you do this weird thing of coming here to worship and they don't see the difference in our lives. That's not meant to shame you, so don't go there. They don't see the difference. Here's the deal. I actually believe that most of us don't know how to live the difference. Again, don't take offense. It's not meant to be offensive. It's no one has really helped us to figure out how to do this. So I'm going to take you through some stories and some pictures. And uh, eventually I'm going to show you a picture on the screen, but not yet. When Jesus was on earth, he was physically... In, in the body, right? It was Jesus' body that was on earth. And when he was here, he was powerful. He would teach and people just had something happening inside of them that it's like, wow, his teaching is cutting our hearts open. And so they would, when they're walking along to the road of Emmaus, they'd say, didn't our hearts burn? When he was teaching, the people would say, I don't know, but he teaches as authority. Watch this, not like the religious scholars who know more. There's something in authority that isn't just knowledge. So when Jesus was teaching, he was cutting the world open and revealing what the kingdom of God was like and how people could live in it right here, right now. When he was speaking with people, 
he would speak to people who were rejected and they discovered the power of love to set them free. So he loved a woman who was caught in adultery and did not say, let's destroy her, but instead said, she's worthy of redemption. The power of love to free a person is incredible. And it comes from the heart of God. When Jesus was present physically, he would heal people often with a touch, but sometimes just a word. And the people were physically healed from diseases that were thought to be, you couldn't heal them, unhealable. That was Jesus on earth. And then he has the audacity to say to the followers, the disciples, greater things than this will you do. What? Why is it we don't see those greater things? That was Jesus present in the body. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels. The next book of the Bible is Acts. This is all New Testament. The Acts are actually, ready? The body of Christ, which is mirroring the body of Jesus. See the difference? So when Jesus was here, he was living in one locale. I mean, like he walked in Galilee and he traveled to Jerusalem. He actually never went across Israel to the other side where the Mediterranean Sea is. He's, he was never there. He was always up and down from Nazareth, up and down the what you'd look at the map, the right-hand side or the eastern side. That was his body. The axe then becomes the body of Christ, which means you and I are now mirroring what Jesus said was here. The kingdom of God is here. So you and I are supposed to be living in the kingdom in a powerful and effective way. The, the rest of the New Testament is Romans through Revelation. So there you go, four Gospels, Acts, and then Romans through Revelation. These letters actually mirror the teaching of Jesus. So what you see in the, in the Corinthians and Romans and Revelation, all that should actually be reflective of what Jesus taught here. So it helps us to understand them both. Here we go. So in John 15, Jesus says these words. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear fruit. Doesn't say you might. He says you will. It's a guarantee. But the question is, how do you remain? Isn't that the right question? I mean, that's, that's not kind of normal language. If you say to somebody, I'm going to remain, what do you mean? I'm going to abide. What does that mean? So we try to figure out what that looks like, what that means. There's help in the sense that the metaphor is an analogy. And the analogy is that it's a vine and a branch. And so the branch, in order to bear fruit, has to actually stay connected. Well, that's another question. How then do you and I stay connected to Jesus so that we experience the kingdom of God? That's the right question. The passage I should have had read for you, and I might made a mistake. It's two chapters later, I think it is. It's in 2 Corinthians, and it talks about um, we with unveiled faces behold the Lord's glory. Have you heard that passage before? It's 2 Corinthians, uh, I think it's chapter 4. Sorry for my mess up. But anyway, Paul says, we with unveiled faces behold the Lord's glory are ever being transformed. 
Watch what he says. He's actually mirroring John 15. John 15. If you can stay connected to me, you will bear fruit. 2 Corinthians. If, in, if indeed that you walk into the presence of God with the unveiled face and you look upon his glory, you'll start being transformed. Those are the same thing. So part of the power of having the kingdom of God move in your life is to take the risk to be unveiled in his presence. To be real. Be authentic. To have the move of God wash and cleanse and transform you. Okay, I know about right now you're thinking, get on with it. So I will. I want to show you a diagram, and I, it's a triangle. And what I want to do now is I'm going to actually use this stage. This is the, um, what you're looking at, the left-hand side. This is me. That section over there is God, and the section back here is my life. So I'm going to walk you through what this looks like to live in the kingdom. Here's the problem. Most people live their lives, they have their history, their hurts, their frustrations, their fears, their stuff in their marriage, their stuff done to them at parenting, their own parenting, their stuff going on at work. They have all this history and stuff inside of them. And what we end up doing is saying to people, what you should do is go to church. So they go to church. They might go actually into the presence of God. So they move into the church. But then the problem is they go back Right? They go, so you're going to leave here today and you're going to do whatever it is that you do. Football or beach or lunch. You're going to do something else. And it's very likely that you won't even remember much what we talk about. Statistically, that's true. Won't happen today. But statistically, that's true. What happens then is we go to church. So we go to this Sunday, we hear this amazing worship experience and the speaker, you know, really is great, amazing, all that good stuff. You would really laugh. A break is needed. <laughs> that, was, that was good. The laughter was good. Okay, so, right? So we're in the presence of God and then we go back into our world. We go home, we're thinking about our stuff, we're dealing with our stuff. Next day, we have to go to work and we do life with our family, we get all bent out of shape because they, kids won't get their rooms cleaned and all that kind of stuff. And the next Sunday, or maybe Tuesday, you're gonna actually go to your small group or Sunday school class, something like that. So you go to this place where there's a presence of God, right? And then you experience the presence of God. What happens is at nine o'clock, time to go home, you go home. And it never occurs to you, not meaning it mean, that what happened there should actually affect what happens here and what happens back in my life. Do you see the problem? How about we stop that craziness? How about we kind of connect the kingdom of God to all of our lives? Here's the first piece you need to know to do that. You've got to know that over here in the right-hand side, bottom right of the triangle, is the presence of God. And it's the true God. And if you, and you know, but I just want to remind you, what you sang today should help understand who God really is. Holy, holy, holy. What's the next words? Lord God Almighty. Who is this God? Lord God Almighty. And the song then goes on. Holy, holy, holy. 
merciful, merciful and mighty, those two combine. If you don't know who God is, why would you want to do your life in His presence? The reason you can have an unveiled face and you can be authentic with your heartache, your hurts, your dreams, your frustrations, and your secrets is because He's merciful. He knows that you're dreaming things that maybe sometimes aren't really the best. He knows the hurts that are driving you crazy in your soul. He already knows that. So we with unveiled faces, we just get honest in the presence of God. We just bring our stuff. So what we have to do is you have to bring, if you feel like, I mean, I had a friend that was telling me, you have to understand, Ken, I was raised in this, this kind of parents. I said, are you seriously telling me that your parents are more powerful than the presence of an almighty God? Are you seriously telling me that? Dude, what are you saying? Surely the gospel has power. Well, I think I read that. Surely it can go back in your history. If you bring your history into the presence of God and say, God, show me what in the world was going on when my parents said that, my spouse said that, my kids said that, when something else happened at work, bring it here. You bring it into the presence of God, but you've got to know that He is holy and He is merciful, that He is faithful, that He is true, and that His holiness is a blessing for you. So sometimes what happens is we feel like God wants to keep boundaries around us and not allow us to enjoy life. That was the lie in Genesis 3. The truth is, your Father, your Heavenly Father, always dreaming for you. The truth is, your Father has destiny for you and nobody can steal it. Because He is God Almighty. So when the boss says, you're fired, when the boss says, you're not good enough, when the coach or your somebody else says, you're not good enough, you can stand in the confidence of, my God is with me. Maybe this isn't the right job for me, but there is one. Your destiny is never in the hands of another person. You don't need to live in anger and frustration. It's in the hands of the Almighty God. And He is merciful. And He is holy. So what you have to learn to do is to bring your history and all that stuff to the, across the bottom of the triangle. You see it? So that's a visual. Across the, into the presence of God. What you have to do is you bring your life not down the left side. You see it up there? Down the left side, that's why that circle, is not, you don't do that. You don't live your life and then once in a while you go to God. You bring yourself and your life into the presence of God. And that's when the kingdom begins to move powerfully in you. And that's when you begin to see things differently. That's when anointing starts to flow. The presence of God starts to flow when you bring your life, your life and you bring yourself into His presence. So this is what it looks like when you start doing this. One of the guys that uh, we've been working with at our church had a history of rejection. He was rejected by girls uh, growing up and jobs to the point that his self-esteem was below the floor. So we coached him to sit in the presence of Jesus and take his history and ask him, 
what was happening in that season of life when I was rejected. He did. And this is what the Lord said to him. My son, what you understood with of rejection was protection. I was getting you to your wife. I have destiny for you and that wasn't there. I may be doing other things in their lives, but I my the kingdom of God is here now. I'm calling you to hear differently that you are not rejected, you are protected. That's a whole different story, isn't it? And once you begin to understand you have a God who will do that for you, who will block doors because He loves you, then the next time a door is blocked, it's like, okay. Instead of saying, what's wrong with me? You can worship the God who is right and who brings His blessing over you. It looks like that to live at the bottom of the triangle. That's what we call all the time. This is how you learn to live at the bottom of the triangle. You learn to bring your stuff, you learn to bring your life to the throne room, to the right side of God's presence, so that you begin to understand differently your history and your story. I'm promising you, it'll change your marriage. This is what it looks like when you, when you feel like in your marriage, back up here in your life, your spouse isn't attentive, your spouse isn't paying attention to you, you need more romance, you need more time to talk, you need more help in the chores, all those kinds. Instead of just accusing your spouse and saying, you're not paying attention to me, what you do is you ask the Lord, what's happening with my spouse and how do I approach this conversation? You bring your life into the presence of God. And if you spend long enough listening to Him, He will tell you. Because just in case you didn't know, He's kind of the author of marriage. And in case you didn't know, if He put you together and sealed it with His blessing when you got married, even if you say, I married the wrong person, did you just step out of majesty? Really? And do you not realize that marriage is always work for every person. And it has a bit of God's holiness shaping off the edges so that we learn to sacrifice and choose. But you experience that in His presence. Let me give you another story. I have a friend that I, it's in my church and he's a part of a group of men that I've been walking with this stuff or mentoring in the same bottom of the triangle kind of conversation. David is probably 33, 34 years old and way upscaled in his ability. He was a lead manager at De Deloitte, a big deal consulting firm. And it kind of was going crazy. And, you know, he was successful, but going crazy and busier and busier and busier and busier. And finally, he's just like, oh my gosh, his heart was spinning all the time with frustrations. Eventually, he gets another job offer. He takes the job offer. And that job is peaceful for about nine months. And then the crazy happens again pressures, spin, responsibilities. So, because he does this, bottom of the triangle thing, he sits in the presence of the Lord and he says these words to the Lord. Maybe I made a mistake by taking this job. You know what the Lord said? It wasn't a mistake. What? That changes everything. If I'm not here because I went outside of the will of God and made a mistake, if I'm actually here and I have a very crazy boss over me right now, then somehow the crazy boss is your gift to me. Okay, 
I have to start thinking about my crazy boss differently. I have to start realizing that their craziness works good for me. And so he starts thinking about it differently and praying about it differently. One day the Holy Spirit says to him, I want you to pray for your boss. He's like, I'd like to throw him out the window, not pray for him. No, but I want you to pray for him. Because remember, I have you there. And this is learning to bring the kingdom of God into your work life so that the right side of the triangle is how you do this thing. You don't do your life just simply trying to survive the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. You learn to live the kingdom of God is here now. So the presence of God is not just in this room, it is in this room, but it's beyond this room when it gets in your heart and when you begin to live at the bottom of the triangle, then you begin to discover that every part of your life, every disease you face is in His hands. Every firing you might ever be threatened with is in His hands. When your kids are challenged, it's in His hands. And you learn to bring everything to His presence and you sit and you listen and you ask and it often takes time Time, you have to develop this habit of listening to Him. But once you do, then the Scripture starts in, in exploding and you start understanding what it means to not to be an American. It's great to be an American, but to be a son and daughter of the Most High God. A couple more stories. My friend Nick, probably 48 years old. I'm giving you the ages just to see, so you can see these are guys that are all kinds of ages. David worked at Deloitte. I told you consulting firm. Nick is kind of a high person in a, uh, a firm that prints labels for like Campbell's Goods and those kinds of things. That's what they do. Nick heard me talking about doing this kind of life, bottom of the triangle, for probably a year, year and a half and walking with him through. He got so aggravated one day and he said to the Lord, doggone it, if you're talking to Ken, you can talk to me. He goes and buys a spiral notebook. Walmart's viral notebook. And he starts writing down his prayers to the Lord. And he spends about 45 days and nothing happens. He feels like he's just doing autobiography. Like, God, I need you to talk to him about this or that. Nothing happened. But right after that, the heavens opened and the kingdom came. He starts processing his life in the kingdom. What I want you to hear is one day he's, he has two daughters, uh, great, great, beautiful young ladies. And he asked the Lord, what would you like to tell me about my one daughter? He brought his daughter into the presence of God and asked, what do you want to say to me? And Jesus answered. Well, this is working. So the next week, he brings the next daughter. What do you want to say to me about this daughter? And Jesus answers. He goes and tells his wife, and his wife says, where are you getting this stuff? And he said, that crazy thing Ken's been doing. Telling me that I could hear the voice of the Spirit and he'd process my life in the kingdom. And I decided I'd start. And this is what I'm seeing. Abide in me and you bear fruit. Did we read that? Yeah, I think we did. This is what it looks like, my friends. This is your new reality. You don't have to just wait for Sunday to come in here, but you should come in. You should worship. You need to sing the songs that merciful and mighty is the Lord and He is good. You need to be reminded because Satan will always tell you God doesn't love you. He's not for you. He's not good. And He's lying to you. 
And he's telling you that God is not majesty over all. And he's lying to you. He's telling you the kingdom is sometime after you die. You can wait if you want, but I wouldn't. Because Jesus said the kingdom of God is here right now. It's here and you can live in it. And you don't have to wait any longer. It doesn't mean your life's going to be easy. Actually, when you start learning through the Scriptures, life is usually intentionally, intentionally challenging. So the same guy I told you about, David, the white guy, he comes into the men's meeting one time and he says, we take turns to talk about catching up, and he says these words, did you guys know that the kingdom of God has a lot of suffering in it? Been a Christian for more than 12 years. He said, the Holy Spirit had me reading 1 Peter. And the more I read, the more I, I read it through all time, the full thing the first time and thought, okay, well, I didn't understand what you want me to read it for. So he read it again. He starts realizing there's suffering. And then he starts realizing, hmm, I hate suffering and you're using suffering. I think I need to move myself and start understanding my suffering at the right side of the triangle. One more story. This summer, I had a, Friends text me and, and say to me, would you pray for my son because he's going through some crisis and I, I'm asking you to pray because I know that you will do it. That's kind of a pressure moment. I probably need to follow through and pray if they're actually believing that I would do that. So a couple days later, I sit in the presence of the Lord, unhurried, and I say to the Lord, what would you like to say to me about this son? And when I do this, I call it doodling. I just think. And I make notes of what I'm thinking. And I wait until I have a sense, oh, this is what you're saying. So I may have three or four pages of just, are you saying this? Nope. Is it that? Nope. And I just wait. That day I had a sense that the presence of the Spirit was upon me for that, but I didn't really have a real powerful word for them. So... I had to drive from that point about an hour and a half and I drove 45 minutes to the first stop and uh, had some time there. Anyway, on the way, the first 45 minute drive, I said to the Lord, so I'm in the car, you might as well join me in the car and tell me what you want to say to me about this son. And then I started doodling in my mind. Here's my doodling. This kid has OCD, obsessive, compulsive disorder and is and is a teenager you know what that means right hormones crazy anger crazy confusion crazy I started thinking about the sun and then I started thinking about the sun in the beauty of creation theology so in Genesis chapter 1 God created the heavens and the earth and he looks at it and says it's good. The end of Genesis chapter 1, let us make man and male and female in our image. And he says it's good. So I said to the Lord in the car, halfway to my first thought, so if you made this young man, I cannot believe that you did not know that he would have OCD. So somehow you're in this. Would you tell me what to say to him? And here's what he said. Tell the young man, I have destiny working for him. Tell the young man that the hard season he's going through right now is equipping him for the destiny I have. 
tell the young man that obsessive compulsive, if he will leverage it, it becomes a tool. He can choose to seek me with all of his heart, to be obsessive about chasing me, and he will see the fruit. Tell him it's a blessing, not a curse. And I'm in awe. Riding in the car saying, that's my God. There's no part of my life that's not in His hands. There's nothing wrong with my body He doesn't know about. There's nothing wrong with the genetics in me that He doesn't somehow bless and oversee. Maybe He wouldn't choose it like that, but He is sovereign over it and majesty. He is merciful and He's mighty. And so, I got to the first stop. And I sent the email. This is what the Lord says to this son. And then I decided I was on a roll. Like, well, if you're going to talk to me about this kid, would you talk to me about this kid? And so I just asked for the next kid. And sent it, And he spoke to me and I sent it off to the parent. This is what I think the Lord is saying to you about your kid right now. You take it, you figure it out, you test it, because all those kinds of words have to be tested. Here's the thing, my brothers and sisters, my friends, the kingdom of God is here right now. And I, I don't want to say it mean, but I want to say it strong. Please, let's not do this go to church, go to life anymore. We don't do our marriages like that. When it's not okay between you and your spouse, you go down the right, the right side of the triangle. The left is off limits. When you don't know what to do with your kids and they're going crazy, you sit with the Lord and you ask, how do I parent this kid? When you have stuff inside of you, dreams that you wouldn't tell anybody, you unveil your face and you tell the Lord, His kingdom is here right now. And right now, He wants you to experience His blessing. No more of this are we going to just kind of saunter through life and feel like we're defeated. We're not defeated. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God. What do you mean defeated? We're not defeated. The kingdom is here and we are a kingdom of priests. That's who we are. So here's my invitation. This morning, if you'd like, I've done it here before, and I realize that not all the time have you been accustomed to it. I get it, so I'm going to explain it to you. One of the things we've discovered that can be powerful is to do anointing for people. And what that means is that the Holy Spirit then become, is, is symbolized by the oil. So when we make the sign of a cross on a person's forehead, it's simply saying the kingdom of God is coming in that person's life right now. Sometimes people who have been doing the anointing have felt led to pray even more. And there, sometimes there's more that God wants to say and do. I don't, I don't control that. And I know what you're, you might be thinking, I don't get that. I don't get some of it either. But I know that when we walk in His Spirit, somehow Jesus would touch people. And today I'm offering you that. And if, it's not, you know, if, it's, if you're not comfortable or not for you today, it's fine. It's not more spiritual get over it. I don't see ritual. It's just a response. So if you'd like to experience that today, I'm going to invite you to come in, in a moment or two. What's going to happen is I want to anoint the staff here and I'm going to anoint them with the same blessing that I'm asking them to pass on to you. Then we're going to take places here and they're going to do that for you. You don't have to do it. If it's not your something that you want to do at this point, that's fine. Those are the staff and who's going to anoint. I invite you to come forward right now. Staff and some elders.
So in the name of Jesus Christ, I anoint you that you, the kingdom of God would be released in your heart, in your home, and every place you are. I ask the kingdom of God to be released in your heart, in your home, and every place that you are. May the kingdom of God be released in you powerfully, in your heart, in your home, and every place that you are. May it be released in you through this body, in your heart, your home, and through this church in a powerful way. Release the Spirit of God, Lord Jesus, over this man, that every person he touches in his heart, in his home, and beyond would experience your blessing. May the kingdom of God come powerfully upon you right now, in your heart, in your home, and then extend it. These guys are going to find places. If you'd like to be anointed, we want to give you this moment. Jesus is calling Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling Oh, come to the altar the Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with The precious blood of Jesus Christ Leave behind your regrets Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Forgiveness 
precious blood of Jesus Christ, oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ.
So we don't do life anymore on the right side of the triangle, right? We're going to bring everything we have, every hurt, every fear, fear, every history, and just sit in the presence of God. This is what it looks like. Tomorrow when you get up, you're going to be busy, but if you're going to drive to work, or if you're going to have some time, just say to the Lord, this is your car, speak to me. That crazy stuff Ken talked about, let's see if it's real, right? Let's see if he'll talk to me. Then just start asking him questions, but do some worship too. Sometimes it takes time. You heard me talk about my friend Nick. It takes time. But Jesus is here in this body. And the kingdom is real. And we're not living anymore in the right side of the triangle where Satan tells us God doesn't love us and the world is crazy. Who cares? Merciful and mighty. God in three persons, blessed trinity. So may the Lord wash over you again this week. And all that you do face, may you remember you are chosen. That, my friend, is a stake in the ground that says it's real. You're never not chosen. Never. God bless. Thanks for coming.